Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel, streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. Welcome to Fantasy Football Today, DFS. My name is Sia Najat, and this is The Solo Pod. What a week, everybody. I think everybody who listened to this podcast probably had a pretty great week. I know I had a pretty great week. Mike McClure had a pretty great week. Um, But I'll tell you what, we are going to just dive into our lineup recap. We're going to dive into the Week 9 preview. But first, I do want to congratulate Daphne15, D-A-P-H-N-Y-15, for the win on our FFT DFS contest. Very nice win, very incredible score, um, very familiar lineup, frankly. A lot of the people that we talked about, I'm super happy to see that. Um, we're going to have our Week 8 lineup review, of course. We're going to do that right now. But I did want to talk real quick about some of the trades. I just, you know, listen, you, you guys, everybody listening to this, you guys probably lean on fantasy football today, like the regular crew, right, for some of the some of the trade stuff and, and, and the sort of redraft impact. But I do think some of these are interesting and worth mentioning even on this show. I think some of these guys will have potentially some DFS, DFS impact, maybe not this week, but honestly, some of these trades actually might affect um, some guys who now have some spots potentially open up like maybe Deion Jackson, for example, just real quick. Let me go through some of the stuff that happened today at the very least, just, just to catch some people up before we go to our lineup recap. Um, Naheem Hines to the bills and Zach Moss to the Colts. I think that's really interesting because I, I think the conventional wisdom was James Cook was going to carve out a pretty special role, particularly in the passing game. And that, you know, that is at least on hold with Naheem Hines coming to town there. Um, we saw Calvin Ridley, He's going to be part of the Trevor Lawrence offense next year. Jeff Wilson to the Dolphins and Chase Edmonds to the Broncos. I think that's interesting. I mean, obviously, Raheem Mostert's stock probably dips down a little bit because I think, you know, Wilson and Mostert do a lot of the same thing. So I think stock down for Mostert, we'll see uh, with Jeff Wilson. I think that's interesting just because both of those running backs just played for Mike McDaniel last year, of course, uh, with San Francisco. He was the run game coordinator as of, I think it was 2017, offensive coordinator last year, and now... You know, they're all reunited, but in Miami, not in San Francisco. So super interesting there. The Dolphins also pick up Bradley Chubb. Uh, I think that's very interesting. Hawkinson to the Vikings. I think we're going to be playing some Hawkinson. I mean, not this week necessarily, but I think we're going to be playing some Hawkinson because that is, in my opinion, a definite upgrade over Irv Smith, both in redraft and in DFS and Dynasty, all of that stuff. Um, And Chase Claypool to the Bears. I see a scenario where we play Chase Claypool, to be honest with you, um, in DFS. Again, not necessarily this particular week, but I do see a scenario where 
Uh, Claypool will be at a price in DFS where he's going to be attractive. I mean, he's a big physical athlete, 6'4", 240 pounds, runs a 4'4", 240. Not exactly, you know, your route runner. Not, not a guy that's super dynamic. You know, his release coming out of breaks, it's not great. But he's a big athlete. Justin Fields can buy some time. And I expect him, with his huge catch radius, uh, to be able to, to be able to get some targets in that offense. So I think Claypool is very interesting. Uh, and then finally, uh, I, I did want to say before we get to our lineup review, and by the way, if you haven't already hit the like button, please do that. And I, sh- I should mention our FFT DFS contest is live right now. The, the link is in the YouTube description right now. It'll be if you're listening to us after our live YouTube show, which is of course happening right now. You can actually just go to the podcast and the link will be in the podcast description. So click on that. It's $5, 200 people. Um, It's really fun. I I really like this tournament. I think it's super, super fun. So definitely get in early so you're not shut out. Usually by Saturday, it's pretty full, if not already full. So get in to that tournament now. Again, hit the like button if you're in here. I did want to offer my condolences to the Zimmer family. Adam Zimmer passing away, I believe it, 38 years old. Um, Condolences to Mike Zimmer, his family, Adam Zimmer's family. Uh, I, I, there's not much else to say about that. Um, from me, I certainly didn't know Adam Zimmer, but to me, when somebody dies at that young age, I feel like I need to remind everybody to just take advantage of every single day. Even if it's a day that's just kind of a ho-hum day, there's value in every single day. And you might not appreciate that until you get a little bit older or until, you know, something like this happens around you. So instead of waiting for that moment, Maybe you just appreciate every day and try to find value in every day, even maybe the off days. And, and if you do that, I think uh, I think every day will have some purpose and some value to you. So just just something to consider there. Um, again, condolences to the Zimmer family. Uh, Zach, you know, I, I kind of want to bring you on for a second because there was a lot of a lot of trades that happened today. And, you know, some on the defensive side. Uh, that don't really fe- affect DFS, at least not immediately. But was there anything before we get to our, you know, our cash and GPP lineup review, anything that surprised you or anything that you thought was high impact? And you can include redraft in that analysis if, if you like. I thought the Hawkinson trade was interesting, just trading him in the division when the Lions claim, I know they've only won one, they've only won one game, but they claim they're competing. This kind of says the opposite. For the Vikings, I don't know really if it makes that much of an impact. Maybe like, it's not on the DFS or fantasy side. Obviously, on the football field, you're getting a great number two option next to Justin Jefferson. Um, I was more interested in the trades that didn't happen. I'm not sure why they didn't happen. I just I don't know. I don't know if you just saw it, but apparently, um, Albert Breer reported that the Cowboys were in the mix to acquire uh, Brandon Cooks, but decided not to because he has apparently an 18 million dollar price tag next year. Probably should have done that. Would have been a great yeah. move. Um, Kareem Hunt does not get moved. DJ Moore does Surprise. not get moved. Yeah. yeah. Um, the yeah. Claypool move, I do agree with you on that one. Um, I understand what they're doing, but like you're moving a top two linebacker in the league for a top 40 receiver. Like it's basically what they did. They just moved, they just gave him the Ravens pick. Yeah. No, that's true. I mean, I mean, I think the Bears are really kind of building for the next couple of years. I think that's where the Claypool trade comes from. I, you know, he's only 24 years old. If, if you picture him as a piece on your team for the next potentially, you know, four to six years, I think he could create some chemistry with uh, with Justin Fields. I do think he's kind of the perfect, especially with Darnell Mooney being the number one. I think you need to offset that with just a, a contested catch guy, almost like your, your Kenny Galladay type receiver who can just, when Justin Fields is in trouble, can just, and I'm not talking about Kenny Galladay now. I'm talking about Kenny Galladay with Detroit before I get any sort when of he was relevant. there. When he was relevant. Um, yeah, when he was relevant, yeah. Um, 
poor Galladay. Maybe he's just in the wrong situation. And for, for the record, Kadarius Tony to the Chiefs. I know that didn't happen today, but Zach, you and I were talking about that before we went live. I think that's super interesting. I think we, yeah. I might have brought that up last week on the Thursday show when I was talking to Mike McClure, but I don't think it's really a debate that he's the most talented receiver on the Chiefs. I mean, Kelsey's kind of a receiver, but he's a tight end, obviously. Like, I, I don't think there's any debate there. It's just a matter of whether he can stay healthy and whether – I, I hope there's nothing going on off the field that kept him away from the Giants. But if he is just going to be you know, a model player and he's going to be healthy, I, I mean – Patrick Mahomes has a, a huge asset there. So I think that's a guy we're going to look at, particularly in DFS, once we see what his role is going to be. Because I don't think his role is going to be, you know, an immediate target monster, even though that could happen within the next, uh, you know, two or three weeks. Anything else before we go into our, our lineup review, Zach, that kind of just yeah. jumped out at you? Any teams that you think maybe maybe had kind of a, have a foothold? Because, like, the Dolphins obviously made some moves here. They got rid of Chase Edmonds. They acquired Jeff Wilson. They acquired Bradley Chubb. I don't think they're nearly as good as the Bills still because because the Bills are so great. But do you think they're the second in command in the AFC or or maybe third after the Chiefs? I think they're probably third in the division, probably yeah. definitely second. One more note on Tony. I know last week we were talking about it. We thought Deshaun Jackson might play on Thursday night because I know you're really intrigued about it because obviously he's like a he, he's kind of boom or bust. I feel like that's Tony at least for the next few weeks until we see him get a roll because he could just go crazy and I'm sure he's not going to be priced that high. So like even yeah. like this, even even in redraft in, in regular fantasy, he's he's I think projected five points, but I think that's like a low number. I feel like he, he could go crazy, and you just don't know yet. But the thing is, with Hardman, really never kind of came into that role. Juju, mm-hmm. we've seen him come on in a couple of weeks, but MVS is kind of hit or miss, and they kind of need that spark that they lost when Tyreek Hill got traded. And it, it could be this guy, or it could be just kind of like a flame out. But he's interesting. I think he was the most impactful. Um, has the potential to be the most impactful of any of the receivers that were moved. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Zach, if you don't mind, maybe we should just go to the lineup review uh, and we can uh, we can bring up my cash line. Listen, this was a great this was really a great week uh, for everybody, uh, not just me. Mike McClure had a great week. And, and I got to be honest, I've never gotten so many tweets and so many private messages. And for the record, I welcome them all. It, it, my apologies if I don't get to them right away, but I've never gotten so many private messages on Twitter. Just saying, like, this was my lineup. It was great. A lot of you tweeted it out, which I, I love that, too, so I can actually see it um, and everybody else can see it, frankly. But I welcome everybody to tweet out your lineups, um, especially if, the, you know, they sort of come from what we have done, what what this show has sort of recommended. And for the record, if you did well, I mean, I, this isn't a huge ask, and I know it's kind of annoying, but if you can review the podcast, that that's a huge deal. I'm just going to be totally straight up with you. It's a huge deal for this podcast in terms of growing it. Uh, and growing this particular brand. If you review it, five-star review would be great, and I would anticipate that's what you'd do anyway. And maybe you write a few words as to why you think this is a great podcast. But honestly, it takes literally two seconds to hit the five stars, and you can add words if you want. If you don't think you have time for that, just leave it at five stars. Totally cool. But with all the success we're having, especially recently, um, I would just ask you to do that. Other than you know the things like hitting the like button or retweeting things or tweeting stuff out, please review the podcast because it mean, it'll mean a lot to me. Just just being perfectly honest with you. So the reason, so I did two or three cash lineups. The reason I wanted to present this one is because it was a non-Ellinger one. So I think all my cash lineup, they did, they, they all cashed and I did have an Ellinger one, but I just wanted to put this one out there. I mean, obviously it scored a ton. It was great. 198.3 points because I think the conventional wisdom, especially after Sunday was, man, if you had Ellinger in your cash lineup, you were gold. And, and I just kind of wanted to put it, put it out there that you could have paid 8,300 
for Jalen Hurts and still had a dominant cash lineup. And, and look at these plays. Any surprises here? I, I couldn't have been bigger on Alvin Kamara on the early edge, the Friday prop show, and on um, the, the the Sunday show we do for the early edge to preview the, the one o'clock and four o'clock games. I was all over Alvin Kamara's prop over four and a half receptions. Absolutely loved it. I was all over him in the Tuesday early look. I loved him, especially again with Andy Dalton at quarterback. And I loved him on the Thursday show game by game preview. No surprises here. Tony Pollard didn't take a genius to figure that one out. And that's why 85.5% of the field was on Tony Pollard. Uh, I don't know what the other 14% were doing. You don't do that fade in cash games. You do that fade in tournaments if you want to. Go ahead and take that chance. But in cash games, he really should have been over 90% in my opinion. Um, You know, Philip Dorsett was one of my three receivers in this lineup. I was just taking a shot there because I didn't have money to spend. And it's because I paid up for Jalen Hurts. So that's sort of where where the offset is. If If I pay down for Sam Ellinger... Well, then I can, if Philip Dorsett can be somebody else. But Tyreek Hill, he was going to be a cash game staple. He was really a tournament staple for me as well. DJ Moore, we talked about him. Cole Komet, I mean, I, I was just kind of struggling with tight end because I didn't have a lot of money left. Again, that's sort of the Jalen Hurts effect there. 2,900, I figured against Dallas, he would get some receptions. And man, he got two receptions, you know, 11 receiving yards. Not exactly a banner day, but he certainly didn't kill me with nine points. Uh, Raheem Mostert, not a good day. I had him a lot in tournaments. He was really the only thing holding me back. The the lineups that I had Deontay Foreman in were great because I had them in with Kamara and Pollard. My running back pool was extremely, extremely small um, last week. Uh, Raheem Mostert, he was in, honestly, most of my lineups. And obviously, getting 7.7 points isn't going to do me any favors, particularly in tournament. And then I had the commander's defense. So just to recap, I paid up for Jalen Hurts. I played the chalk in Alvin Kamara, Tony Pollard, and Raheem Mostert. I could have obviously swapped out Mostert for Foreman. That would have been better. I played Cole Komet because I didn't have money to spend. My receivers, Dorsett, Tyreek Hill, DJ Moore. I got a couple snowflakes here in Raheem Mostert and and Philip Dorsett, but it didn't matter because I absolutely smashed everywhere. These cash games are really, really advantageous to, to everybody here. And, and I had a question on Twitter, you know, what type of cash games should I play? We've talked about this before, but the single entry w- cash games, double ups, I should say that have like a decent amount of entries. I mean, you can play the smaller ones if you want. I tend to look for like a thousand to, to 3000 single entry cash game tournaments. And they are a ton of them in the $5 range, the $3 range, the 50, 25, hundred, you name it, they exist. You can go down to 500, you know, 800. I, you know, I, I wouldn't do, you know, super small cash games uh personally especially if, you, if you're on the newer side because those might be a little bit more shark infested than, than some of the the um, bigger ones that have like let's say a thousand or two thousand or three thousand in them but those are the cash games that target and these plays especially at the running back and wide receiver position they've been pretty obvious i say it every week i just really want to stress that to people because it's hard to win if you're just playing tournaments it's near. I mean, it's not. It's not that it's impossible, but your, your bankroll management. You have to incorporate some of these cash games. So let's go ahead and go to to Mike's cash game. Uh, if you thought mine was impressive, buckle up because Mike's was amazing. Okay, you know, Mike was was dialed in last week. His plays were so good. He puts up two hundred and forty two point eight four. Amazing lineup, and it, it's led with Sam Ellinger. He told us he was going to lead with Sam Ellinger, and that's exactly what he did. And look what it allowed him to do. Tony Pollard at running back, Foreman, Tyreek Hill, DeAndre Hopkins. So that's something his lineup had that mine didn't. Uh, DJ Moore, that looks familiar. Uh, Foster Moreau, which, okay, so recall that he was on Noah Fant, but things changed after Thursday, right? Because DK Metcalf unexpectedly was active and very active, I might say. So 
Fant was sort of out of there. I got a question on Twitter, and you guys can, you guys are more than welcome to reach out to to me specifically and Mike and and ask us sort of updates. You know, we we don't do a show on on Saturday to sort of update some of these this injury news. And frankly, we weren't sure about DK Metcalf until Sunday. So once DK Metcalf was declared in, Mike pivots to Foster Moreau, which makes a ton of sense. I had a lot of lineups with Foster Moreau too. So some of this, some of these plays that we give out Thursday, I would say 80 to 90% of them are not in need of further news, but there are going to be some, especially if you're playing a low end tight end and it's predicated on DK Metcalf, not playing. Well, it shouldn't, you know, it shouldn't take much for you to realize I got to go somewhere else. So Foster Moreau was a guy we had our eye on the week before. Uh, and we had obviously, you know, in, in this week, he was a solid play as well. He didn't get you any fire emojis, but he was a solid play. Alvin Kamara, 42 points. Man, I, I just, I'm so happy. Like, just as a community, we were all on Alvin Kamara because not everybody was. Look, the 13.9% in cash games. Oh, wait, is this his GPP? Because it says winning 10,000. This might be his his GPP. I, I'm not 100% sure. Let me, let me double check. No, this is his cash lineup. I don't know why it says 10,000. He might have mixed it up. But the point is, this lineup is an absolute monster. Look at the 10,000 up top. It must be his it must be his GPP. This is an absolute monster lineup and a lot of these plays you know again pretty obvious. Uh if I recall Mike was one fumble or one Sam Ellinger mistake away from winning 90,000 more dollars from winning $100,000. So uh Sam Ellinger just performs a little bit better against Washington and Mike really really cashes in with an actual takedown but here Clearly, fourth in this tournament, and he wins ten thousand dollars. There were a lot of people in in our community that that were ranked fourth in their tournaments as well. So super impressive there. Let's put up, uh, let's put up my GPP lineup. So this lineup scored two hundred thirty one point eight eight. Um, it won $250 on a $15 entry, just to give you an idea. This was actually in the PME. Uh, some of you that are listening might might uh, participate in. Um, the, the the Pat Mayo League. Uh, it's a it's a, it's a great not league the tournament that he does every week. A great tournament, fifteen dollars to enter. It's a three max. Uh, it's a fun tournament, and I was really close to winning this thing. I think I was fourth down the stretch. What I really needed was again. You see Philip Dorsett here if you're watching live on YouTube, and if you are, hit the like button. But I needed something from Dorsett. He got a handful of targets. I believe he got five targets. But Davis Mills just looked off. The 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 offense looked off. Listen, I played Philip Dorsett because I thought it would be a trailing game script, and the Titans secondary is very much exposable. And we knew Nico Collins was out, so it just made sense to take a flyer on Philip Dorsett. Five five targets is fine. Like I, I wasn't, you know, the result was poor, but the process was fine. Uh, you know, at three point three percent, I love that part of it. But honestly, if he gets loose for one touchdown, or if he gets loose for even you know, three, he catches three of five instead of one of five for 60 or 70 yards, then this lineup, it probably finishes in first place. I think it finished, I'm trying to remember, it was like nine points out of uh, out of first place, which would have been 5,000, I believe, instead of 250. So the lineup, and I'll just go through it real quick. It's a lot of the same plays. It was two at a Tyreek Hill. That was the stack. No run back. Tony Pollard, Deontay Foreman, Philip Dorsett, DeAndre Hopkins. That looks familiar. I put Juwan Johnson at tight end. That was actually me asleep at the wheel because I had put him in earlier in the week and I meant to to switch him out for Foster Moreau and I just this is just me forgetting to do it uh, of course Juwan Johnson still had some upside and if I put Moreau in it gives me an extra five or six points it doesn't give me a takedown it just gives me you know instead of finishing ninth in the PME I finish I think it would have been fifth or fourth something like that so it didn't cost me a ton of money there Alvin Kamara Patriots D I told you I was playing Patriots or Washington those were the two defenses I'm playing and when we do our early look 
There's really only two defenses I'm playing this week, too. There might be a third if I really want to get contrarian and clever, but it's really going to be two across most of my cash and tournament lineup. So um, not much to talk about here. Deontay Foreman was really the main difference between this and my my cash lineup, other than the Tua to, to Tyreek stack instead of playing Jalen naked. Obviously, Deontay Foreman was in a great situation, and he just smashed with the touchdowns. So that's that's obviously what you're looking for. And um, great lineup scoring 231.88. So let's pull up Mike's next lineup, which I think is going to be his cash lineup as opposed to his GPP. But I might be wrong about that. Either way, this is Mike's second lineup. And this one, I think, scored 235.78. It was a Tua double stack. It was Tua with Tyreek and Jalen Waddle with no bring back. Again, we keep saying it. Don't force a bring back. If you don't like the situation, you could you could have tried to force Amon Ross St. Brown. I actually did that in, in one of my lineups, and it was you know very average. Um, you could have forced DeAndre Swift or, or TJ Hawkinson, but you do not these days. It's great to correlate, but you don't have to correlate. I say that every single week, and it's really important. If you don't like the run back, do not force it. To a double stack with Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle. This uh, this lineup wins three thousand dollars. Wow, Mike just was just on a run this week, an absolute run. He has Kamara, Deontay Foreman at running back. Uh, he has DeAndre Hopkins at receiver. He told you how big he was on that. Don't forget on that Thursday show, we do a top three at each position. Uh, I should say Mike does a top three. We do our cheat sheet where we both give out our favorite plays, and then Mike gives out a top three at each position. All of these should look very familiar, other than Foster Moreau, who was a late ad because of the DK Metcalf news. Uh, interestingly enough, though, he had Foster Moreau double double tight ends, Foster Moreau and Noah Fant. What does that allow him to do? Like, neither of those guys smash, but it'll, it allows him to get a lineup with Tua, double stack with Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle, and it allows him to get Alvin Kamara, DeAndre Hopkins, Deontay Foreman. So again, Mike is a big advocate of this two tight end approach. This is a lineup that finishes ninth and wins $3,000. So for anybody that tells you, hey, you know, don't, don't do the two tight end thing, it's not about the two tight ends themselves. It's about what can the savings of those two tight ends do for the rest of your lineup. And if you smash everywhere else, which Mike did with fire emojis everywhere, just to, if you're not watching on YouTube, two of 32 points, Kamara, 42 points, Foreman, 34 points, Tyreek, 34 points, Hopkins, 36 points, Jalen Waddle, 33 points. That is going to get you where you need to go in tournaments, regardless of whether your two tight end approach smashes. So absolutely love this lineup. He had the Jets as the defense. Um, great stuff from Mike. Great top three from Mike that he gave out on Thursday. Great game-by-game game preview from all of us. Hopefully, I know I have very ample evidence that this entire community really kind of smashed. It was most people's best week uh, this particular week. So highly encourage everybody to tweet out your lineups, tweet at us, ask us questions, particularly after Thursday. Hopefully we can answer them because the injury news kind of becomes a little bit more relevant Friday and Saturday into Sunday morning. Uh, and definitely hit the like button and review the podcast. That, that, that's our ask uh, from you all. But let's look at Daphne 15. Daphne 15 was our FFT DFS week eight winner. And well, this looks familiar because it's the same exact lineup as Mike's cash lineup, uh, which really shouldn't be a huge surprise. Our player pool was very condensed. And it's not hard to imagine that the FFT DFS winner would have what Mike had, frankly. Again, you listen to the show. We're not giving out lineups. I mean, if you've ever watched the show, we've literally never given out a lineup, but we give out our favorite plays of each and every game on Thursday. We give out our top threes. We give out our cheat sheet, which which has our contrarians, our, 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 our fade plays, our chalk plays, our values, our stacks. So you piece that together and you just might be the FFT DFS winner. 
Uh, props to Daphne 15, Sam Ellinger at quarterback. Again, this should all look familiar. Alvin Kamara, Tony Pollard, Deontay Foreman as the running backs. Tyreek Hill, DeAndre Hopkins, and DJ Moore, who we know DJ Moore got there late, obviously, with that amazing, amazing touchdown catch. And by the way, I know, I know what Twitter is for. I know Twitter is for um, debating whether or not DJ Moore should have gotten that penalty. Listen, I'm a DJ Moore guy. I wanted Carolina to win that game. Not that I had a bet on them or anything, but I wanted them to win that game. An amazing comeback. He should have gotten penalized. Yes, I understand he took his helmet off as he was leaving the field and that his feet were off the field. But then he was kind of parading around with his helmet off, came back on the field. Like, if you really expect the officials to go to instant replay to see when was the moment that he took his helmet off, what was his foot off? Did he come back? If you if you actually think we, we need like instant replay for that, or we need to sort of diagnose like where his foot is as he's taking his helmet off, then you know, you're kind of the problem here, right? Like that we don't need a debate on that. It was pretty obvious that he was going to get a celebration penalty right when it happened. I was kind of like, oh no, I think he's going to get penalized here. And that's exactly what happened. So I like DJ Moore. I think he got lost in the moment. He probably thought they had already won the game. He probably just wasn't thinking that they needed the extra point. When you catch a ball like that, you know, your emotions get the best of you. You thought you think you just won the game. You take your helmet off and you celebrate. I kind of get it in in this particular case. So uh, unfortunately, Pinheiro just couldn't, couldn't, close the game, uh, whether that be in, in regulation or in overtime. So terrible situation uh, for, for the Carolina Panthers there. But love this lineup. Daphne, thank you for playing. Everybody, if you're not already registered, again, I'll say it one more time. If you're not already registered for our FFT DFS contest, register right now. It's in the YouTube description. It's in the Apple podcast description. It's very, very easy to enter. And we usually fill up around Saturday. So we want you in there so that we can put your lineup up and talk about it next Tuesday for our, our solo pod. Okay. So here's the fun part, everybody. We're going to do our early look for uh, week nine. Uh, and we've got a lot of teams on by, we've got a lot of high totals. So I don't think we're going to have a lot of um, as much sort of condensed ownership as maybe we had last week, because I think there's going to be quite a few games that people, even though it's only 10 teams, I think there's going to be quite a few games that people are going to be interested in. Uh, with that said, we're going to get to that, but first we're going to hear a break from well, we're going, to hear, we're going to go to a break, and we're going to hear a word from our partners. This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. We expected someone else. So what exactly is the show about? Hmm, I don't know. It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball, and baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. We have some of the best voices come on and explain what matters or what makes an upset, like Ryan does, <laughs> nine over eight. No, that's not an upset. No, yeah, it is, Bob. <laughs> And if you're lucky, I might just tell you about my search for discounted sleep pants or my worries about what my dog just ate. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. And we are back. This is FFT DFS, Fantasy Football Today DFS. My name is Sian Ajab. This is the Tuesday solo pod on Thursday. It's me and Mike McClure. We go game by game. We talk about our favorite plays, our favorite stacks, our favorite roster constructions, our favorite contrarians, values, chalk, you name it. It's what we do in that show. We give out our top threes. It's an excellent show uh, to really just get your lineups manifested, if you will. I, I think it's it's one of... I listen to other content out there, and there's a lot of other really good content. There's a lot of good content, let's be honest. But I think this is a show, that, that Thursday show in particular, that really sets you up to like start making your lineups. Start constructing your lineups. You can tweak it as you know Friday and Saturday roll around. But I think if you listen to the Thursday show, you're going to have a really good idea of what your player pool is going to be and how you are going to construct your lineup. So that's my pitch for the Thursday show. 
Uh, let's do our early look. Let's start at quarterback. But before we do, I'll just point out that, again, it's a 10-game slate. We have 10 games. We have six teams on a bye. Those teams are the Browns, Cowboys, Broncos, Giants, Steelers, and 49ers. Quite a few high totals here. Um, that's why I was, I was sort of getting into the fact that you might have some sort of um, diversification of the portfolio in terms of like not all not all these these players are going to be on you know one or two or three games. We got the Bills at the Jets. Interesting game. It's a huge spread. It's a 13-point spread. So you're not necessarily getting that back and forth, but you just might. There might be run-back options in that game that we'll talk about, particularly at the wide receiver position, potentially at the running back position too, uh, on the Jets side of things. That's a 47-point total. Charges at Falcons, people are going to want a piece of. Listen, the pace is going to be very slow there. Atlanta doesn't run a lot of plays, but they're very efficient, and they're likely going to be very efficient against the Los Angeles Chargers, who haven't really been able to stop anybody as of late. Chargers coming off a bye. There, listen, the Atlanta Atlanta can't stop anybody either. This should be perhaps a slower pace overall, but a very high efficiency game for both offenses. There's injuries on the Chargers side that are going to make this stack even easier because you're going to have value on the Chargers side likely open up. We'll have to monitor practice reports. We'll we'll kind of know a lot more on that uh, on Thursday with respect to guys like Keenan Allen, Jail Everett, uh, some of those guys. Mike Williams not is not going to play in this game. But uh, that's going to be probably the most popular game, I'm guessing. It's a 49.5-point total, and the, the Chargers are only favored by three coming off their bye. Again, that game is in Atlanta, so it should have a, a back-and-forth component that we'll be very interested in. The Packers at Lions, 49.5. Packers only favored by three. So that's going to be another one of those games where a lot of people are going to want to stack the Lions and the Packers for obvious reasons. Raiders at the Jaguars, that's a 48-point total, and the Raiders are only favored by one and a half here. I know the Raiders kind of fell on their face last week. I wasn't on any Raiders. I think you could have played Devante if, if you wanted to do that. You could have played Jacobs, but he was 7,500 last week. I was I was not about to play Josh Jacobs at 7,500 with all the other value that we saw. So this might be a game to maybe get back on these teams because they've been very underwhelming the last couple of weeks. So Raiders and Jags, I'm definitely interested in. And then finally, the Seahawks. 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 They're not hacks anymore. They're they're actually a very good football team. The Hawks at the Cardinals. That's a 50-point total. Cardinals favored at home by one and a half. Uh, that game could have a ton of fireworks, and there's a lot of value opening up on both sides of the ball, particularly with guys like Rondell Moore, who's emerging as a as a target guy, a guy that's in space, and a second, or actually I should say third quality target for Kyler Murray. James Conner, we need to monitor him because he might be coming back too. Uh, let's pull up the QBs. If you haven't already hit the like button, please do that. But let's pull up the quarterbacks because, again, the way I do this early look, I don't go through every player. This show would take way too long if I did that. I just go through the players that I'm particularly interested in. And I say that qualifier because I don't know that I'm paying up for Josh Allen at 8,500. So I don't necessarily – we'll talk about him when we do our game-by-game preview, but I'm not sure I want to go there. I, I'm not sure I trust Zach Wilson in this offense enough. Like, listen, am I going to have a stack with Josh Allen and like a Garrett Wilson run back with Josh Allen stacked with maybe Devin Singletary and a, and a pass catcher or receiver? Yeah, maybe, but it's just not going to be a primary stack for me. So uh, obviously Naheem Hines comes into town. We'll have to kind of monitor what we think his snap share is going to be in this game. But uh, I'm just not a huge fan of playing this game in spite of the fact that there's a a lot of value that's going to open up. So again, we'll discuss that more on Thursday. I do like Kyler Murray, 7,400 at home against Seattle. Listen, Rondell Moore is emerging. He's cheap. I believe he's 51 or 5,200. We'll get to that when we get to the wide receiver section of this early look. But Kyler, DeAndre Hopkins, even Zach Ertz, Jack, uh, James Conner, if he's healthy, all of these guys are viable against Seattle. 
period, end of story. So I don't like Kyler this year. I'm not a big fan, but you know, there's always the chance that Kyler has a breakout game that he just eviscerates a defense and he runs a little bit and he, you know, hits DeAndre Hopkins and let's say Rondale Moore for three to four touchdowns. That, that, that opportunity exists. So it's something we have to consider. 7,400, I think is a pretty good price tag, but Justin Herbert, he's obviously the guy that I think people are really going to pay more attention to maybe than any other quarterback on this slate 7,200 at Atlanta. Zach is clicking on his game log right now. We see these pass attempts 51 57 over the last two games. Now, maybe that changes coming out of the bye, but even if it, even if that, those pass attempts are reduced to some degree, I, I still think his pass attempts are going to be, you know, certainly higher than most uh, on this slate. I just, there's not a lot to not like about Herbert, especially when you can pair him with cost efficient receivers, guys like Josh Palmer, who's going to be inexpensive. You can also pair him with Austin Eckler, which I've been doing quite a bit this season. So I do like uh, Justin Herbert. Again, we have to monitor the injury status of, of Keenan Allen. I don't have a practice report from today. I know he didn't participate in practice on Monday. Mike Williams is going to be out. Uh, bottom line, Atlanta can't stop the pass. They can't create pressure. Uh, Herbert's coming off a bye. It looks like A.J. Terrell's probably going to be out again. Casey Hayward is still out. Uh, whether the pace is slow or not, Herbert should have a field day. Eckler should have a field day. So uh, definitely interested in that. Cousins at 6,200 at Washington. I think that's a slight contrarian spot if you want to if you want to go there. The Washington secondary absolutely can get exposed. It wasn't going to be Sam Ellinger that was going to do that last week. No matter the game Sam Ellinger was, was going to have, he wasn't going to throw for three touchdowns. They weren't going to even allow the playbook to have him open it up like that. They didn't have to do that against Washington. I don't know that Minnesota has to do that either, but what I do know is that the receivers, particularly Justin Jefferson, Washington can't they're not going to be able to cover him. If if Vikings come out and they're pushed by the Washington offense to any real degree and Kirk Cousins has to throw or decides to throw, if that's in the game plan, could he throw for three touchdowns? Could two of them go to Justin Jefferson? Uh, the answer to that is yes. So Cousins at 6,200, it offsets, at least a little bit, offsets the expensive price of Justin Jefferson. So I think he's in play in spite of the fact that that's a 43.5 point total. Again, Irv Smith is on IR. Hawkinson is on this team. We'll see how many looks He's projected to get on Sunday, just kind of being new in town. It could be a very condensed target share, and, and a lot of that could be going to Justin Jefferson. So keep an eye on that. Aaron Rodgers at 5,900 at Detroit. You know, we have to monitor Christian Watson. Alan Lazard, are they going to play this week? Uh, I kind of think they have to. I think at, at least Alan Lazard, if he plays, I'll be more interested because I think he's really a trusted receiver for Aaron Rodgers. Obviously, Romeo Dobbs had a pretty good day. Uh yeah, the, the other night. So I think he's in the conversation, but I think we're going to see a lot of like floor games for Romeo Dobbs and a couple ceiling games. So it's just a matter of whether you want to roll the dice there, but let's monitor Rogers 5,900 at Detroit. You know, is this finally sort of the bounce back spot for Aaron Rodgers? You know, we kind of keep saying it, we'll, we'll see if it actually ends up happening, but two touchdowns against the bills, two touchdowns against Washington. Could he go for three to four touchdowns against Detroit? Yeah. He really could. So uh, I think Aaron Jones is, is certainly in that conversation in terms of getting a piece out of this game. And Aaron Rodgers could target Aaron Jones on, on a touchdown or two as well. So that stack, I think, is in play. But I'm probably just playing Aaron Jones out of this game more than anything, just pulling that piece out and, and moving along. Um, speaking of moving along, I'll just go over three quarterbacks in the 5K range that I like. Geno Smith, uh, I mean, I always like him. At Arizona, DK Metcalf appears to be healthy. Lockett is healthy. Uh, you got Marquise Goodwin. You got the two tight ends, Disley and Fant. It, it could be a day for Geno Smith. You know, we kind of keep saying that. 
Uh, Arizona pass defense isn't great. They're not, you know, they're not terrible. I mean, as we see here, they're 26, but they do some good things. Um, it could be a nice spot for Geno Smith. Maybe in a trailing game script, they just they just force the pass a little bit more than normal. 5,800 is a pretty good value, especially if you're pairing him or double stacking him with uh, two pass catchers on the Seattle side. Derek Card, 5,400, super contrarian spot there. He's 5,400. So if you want to pair him with Devontae Adams and just hope they break out of the slump, that's certainly viable. You could double stack him with Boston Rowe if you really want to get crazy. That assumes Darren Waller's not coming back. Um, I just wanted to put that out there because his price is so low. Speaking of low prices, 5,300, Justin Fields. Uh, at home against Miami, a secondary that can absolutely get exposed even by Justin Fields. The cool thing about Justin Fields, and maybe a consideration in cash, is that he has a rushing floor, like a legitimate rushing floor uh, of you know somewhere between uh, you know it's been around sixty yards lately. But I, I think somewhere between forty-five and seventy yards is is sort of like where you can expect Justin Fields to be. Can some of those yardage end up in you know can that end up a, with a touchdown? Yeah. And can Justin Fields have receivers get behind this defense or at least carve up this defense with all the injuries they have in the secondary? I think the answer to that is yes as well. So I'm not a Justin Fields guy, but listen, we were, you know, I was considering Malik Willis at 5k. Obviously we played Sam Ellinger at, at, you know, 4k Jared Goff was 5,500 last week. Now is Fields in the Jared Goff conversation from last week against Miami's defense? No, but Justin Fields is also playing that Miami defense. So yes, it's a different offense. Goff is going to be more inclined to throw for way more touchdowns than Justin Fields, but Fields to Mooney, Fields to, you know, to commit, it's going to save you a lot of money or Fields naked for that matter. It's going to save you a lot of money. So something to consider there. Let's go to the running backs. Um, My pool is going to be pretty small at the running back position. And I'll just start with Austin Eckler. Listen, I'm on Austin Eckler pretty much every week. I I feel like I was on Austin Eckler before it was cool to be on Austin Eckler when he was kind of like, a little, you know, light with the points in the first couple of weeks, but 8,800 is a big, big price to, to pay, but you can get the savings at the receiver position. If you want to pay up for, let's say a uh, Justin Herbert and Austin Eckler stack, maybe you throw in Josh Palmer there. I think that's going to be a popular stack, to be honest with you, because we know Eckler is getting the pass catching work. So it's not like you're pairing the quarterback with a true running back, right? He's, he's only going to get a handful of rushing attempts by handful. I mean, somewhere between probably eight, in 12, 13, but look at the targets. Now coming off the bye, maybe it's going to be a little bit different. Maybe they're going to pare it down a little bit, but still he's going to get targets over the last two games, 12, 16 targets. He caught 12 of 12 against Seattle. That's amazing. He caught 10 of 16 against Denver. The week before that at Cleveland, he caught four of four, but the week before that six of seven and then eight for eight the week before that. So his efficiency is like incredible because he's getting kind of the easy targets, but what he can do after the catch is really the cool part. And against Atlanta, he could absolutely get loose. So I think I think a Justin Herbert double stack with Austin Eckler and maybe like a Josh Palmer is actually going to be more popular than than people think. So uh, I'm going to be on that as well. So I, I don't mind playing some some popular plays we see in tournaments. In particular, a lot of the popular plays are kind of coming to fruition. You know, fading the popular plays. Speaking of of, of cool things, that's not that cool anymore. You know, we're, we're advocating both in tournaments and cash to kind of play some of these popular guys because they're just they're coming through. So um, I like Austin Eckler a lot. I mentioned Aaron Jones already. He's 7,400 at Detroit. Really like pulling that specific piece out of this game. 24 total touches for over 150 total yards uh, last game. He's been very efficient. Um, I don't think, you know, if you want to look at how how Mostert did against Detroit, I don't think we're going to see that with Aaron Jones. Keep in mind, the game script was a little weird with Detroit jumping out 
to, to a, a pretty big lead early. And frankly, even if they didn't, even in a neutral game script, the, the path with Tua was just to pepper Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle because it was just such a dominant force. And I don't think you're really going to see that with Green Bay. As much as we think we may still think about Aaron Rodgers, it's not it's not the same thing. Aaron Rodgers to whatever, you know, receiver du jour on the Packers is not Tua to Jalen Waddle and to Tyreek Hill. So I think they're going to lean on Aaron Jones way more than the Dolphins leaned on uh, Raheem Mostert, even if the Dolphins had been in a, in a neutral game script. So I think Aaron Jones is great at 7,400. Travis Etienne at 6,300. That's kind of like a, an obvious play, right? I mean, it, he's been an absolute monster. James Robinson isn't there. Uh, Zach bringing up his game log here. I mean, this is, I, I don't know. I don't even know what to say about this. His his yards per carry, let's say since week five, 7.1, 8.6, 8.1, 6.5. 24 rushing attempts last game, and he caught three of three targets. So 27 touches for Etienne. This team is really like kind of crumbling, but what's not crumbling is Travis Etienne. And if they want to save their season in any significant way, they absolutely have to win this game. And for the record, they're in a division where if they go on a little streak, you know, it's not like the Houston Texans and the, and the Titans are pretty good, but it's not like the Texans, Titans, and Colts are, are, are these, are these su- such a formidable set of teams in your division that you can't run, rattle off three games and be in the conversation to win the division. So they will lean on Travis Etienne. He's their best player right now. Um, so obviously at 6,300, I think he has tremendous value. As we go down the board, most are at 6,100. Things are complicated now with Wilson there. Uh, so I'm just going to skip over that because I don't know what Wilson's sort of contribution is going to be. That game's at Chicago. James Conner, I just want to mention him, 5,800 home versus Seattle. Singletary, 5,700 at the New York Jets. I think he's a great play if you want to be contrarian and play Singletary with the Bills defense, which I believe is 4,300. Nobody's going to play the Bills defense because they don't want to, nobody wants to pay up over 4,000 for a defense. So if you wanted to get a little different, people are going to play Singletary. That's not going to be the different part, but pairing Singletary with the Bills defense and just getting away from that game. Otherwise, like no Josh Allen, none of the receivers. Um, maybe you play Garrett Wilson on the other side, which seems a little counterintuitive, but it's really not because the Bills defense can dominate and Garrett Wilson could still get, you know, catch eight to 10 targets for, you know, 95 yards and a touchdown. So uh, if you wanted to save money there, you could do that because you're, you're spending so much on the Bills defense. But that's something to consider. I like Singletary regardless at 5,700. Um, Michael Carter at 5,500. He's a guy you could consider bringing back. I'm not exactly sure what James Robinson's role is going to be. So we'll just have to wait and see as the week progresses. But Michael Carter in a pass-catching role certainly makes sense at 5,500 against Buffalo. Deion Jackson is interesting now because Naheem Hines is gone. We don't know Jonathan the, the status of Jonathan Taylor's injury, so it's not a great it's not a great situation playing at New England. But I think Deion Jackson's probably going to have a pass catching role in this game. So even if he's not efficient in the running game, I think we can count on some receptions for him. And at fifty two hundred, it's not going to be that hard to pay off this price tag. And, and it, it, assuming Ellinger is the quarterback, uh, I think he'd be smart to to lean on Deion Jackson quite a bit. So. Um, we'll have to monitor that situation as well. And now I think I'm sure there's going to be more value that opens up, by the way, it's only Tuesday, but I think we should just go to receiver. Now there are some really, really interesting value receivers on this slate that I, I quite like. Um, but let's talk about some of the guys at the top first that I'm interested in. I talked about Justin Jefferson already. Don't need to address that again. It's 8,600. I think he's fine in a stack with Kirk cousins. I think he's fine solo. Uh, I just think he's going to beat this Washington secondary uh, quite a few times. I think this could be an absolute Justin Jefferson, what we've been waiting for breakout type of game. So 8,600, I will be willing to pay up for Tyree kill at 8,500. I also like 
I'll bring up Devontae Adams just because I think his ownership might be depressed a little bit because the Raiders look so bad. Uh, I mean, I, I, you, you know, you can't really explain this target share, but we've seen it before. And we've seen when he's had bad games, he's gotten peppered the following game. So uh, I could absolutely see him having a breakout game. But if it's between like Devontae Adams and DeAndre Hopkins and Tyree Kill and Jefferson, Devontae's last on my list out of those three guys. I mentioned Hopkins, 7,900, home against Seattle. Certainly like that play for obvious reasons. He's getting so many of the targets. He's getting red zone targets. He is clearly Kyler Murray's favorite receiver. And he should do some damage at home against Arizona. As we get to sort of the more reasonably priced names, Jalen Waddell at 7,400 at Chicago. Uh, one thing I always like to check this time of year is the weather. So it's something we will look at more on Thursday. I assume the weather's going to be okay up in Chicago. But Jalen Waddell, Tyree Kill, I like them both. I mean, you know, Jalen Waddell gets a ton of targets most of the time. He caught eight and nine targets for 106 yards, two touchdowns last game. This Chicago defense, they're losing a lot of parts because they're trading them away, but they're also just not a very good defense. And the way Tua and Waddle and Tyreek are clicking, uh, I don't know that I'll get to a double stack with them, but uh, you know, we know Mike did that last week and he won $10,000. So uh, I certainly um, don't hate that. It's just the game script with that Chicago game. I, I worry about it a little bit, but I like both of those plays. Uh, DK Metcalf at 6,400. Hard not to like him. Uh, you know, because of the injury, his his salary is down, you know, two to four hundred dollars. If you recall, about a few weeks ago when he was running pretty good, he was sixty eight hundred. Then they lowered him to sixty six hundred. Then he got hurt. Now he's sixty four hundred. So you're getting a little bit of value there at Arizona. I think that could be a game that is pretty high scoring. Um, Chris Godwin, if you want to play that game at the the Bucks or at home against the Rams, we know Godwin typically gets the volume. I'm just not sure about the upside there. Tyler Lockett, sixty one hundred, sort of in the same breath as DK Metcalf. They're only 300 apart. I would probably lock it there over Metcalf. I think a double stack might be in play there. Something to consider. Um, Romeo Dobbs, I talked about at 5,300. I think you could play McLaurin at 5,900, uh, especially if you're running a stack. I mean, McLaurin at 5,900 is, is pretty good value. We know he's a favorite of, of Taylor Heineke for a variety of reasons, um, namely that he's their best receiver and that he won the game kind of single-handedly or double-handedly with that final catch. Uh, at the end of the game to 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 win it for Washington. And as a Commanders fan, those, those are things that don't happen in my world. Uh, and Zach knows this too. So for us to actually pull that game out was, was pretty incredible. Caught six of eight targets for 113 yards. And a lot of that admittedly was the last play there. But if you're doing a Cousins-Jefferson stack, bringing it back with a McLaurin that's only 5,900, for the record, Washington hasn't been very good running the ball. When they are, it's usually Antonio Gibson. But uh, one of my unders on the early edge on our prop show uh, was um, – you might have seen it because Sportsline tweeted it out. It was like, it was a play I put out on Saturday, actually, after the prop show. It was Brian Robinson under 58 and a half, or 58 and a half rushing yards. Uh, he only had 20 rushing yards uh, because he just hasn't been efficient. He's averaging, I think, at this point, maybe less than three yards per carry. That's uh, not very good. Gibson's been a little bit better, but they're not using him as much as the runner. Curtis Samuel's actually mixing in to the running game again, which I think is very interesting. But um, I think a McLaurin run back at 5,900 in a cousin stack or just a skinny stack with McLaurin on one side and Jefferson on the other side, don't hate that at all. I really don't hate that. So as we go down, we see DJ Moore here. He's starting to creep up at 5,800. He's at Cincinnati. Cincinnati in a nice bounce back spot here. But again, if you watch the early edge Monday night football preview, which was last night at 730, they early edge does a show for every single night game and the entire slate, of course. But I uh, hope you watched it because I was all over the Browns plus three and a half. I was all over the under 47 and a half, which ended up coming in by a half a point. 
Um, but I encourage everybody, if you watch these shows, you, you, you might be you might be betting too. And if you are, you should be watching The Early Edge and you should be subscribed to Sportsline. Guys like Jacob Gibbs, Mike McClure, they write content for Sportsline. But then, of course, we have our free show. They, they, they have a free show, The Early Edge, that comes out every single day, usually multiple times a day with best bets, uh, Monday night football previews, Thursday night football previews, Sunday night football previews, and, of course, main slate previews as well. They have a Tuesday um, full slate review. And then on Sunday at 12, I'm on the show to do the, the main slate preview with all the bets that we like and prop bets and things of that nature. Highly encourage you all to subscribe to the Early Edge uh, and Sportsline if you're not already. As we get to the value, I think this is the important part. From a value standpoint, there's a lot of receivers down here. I mentioned Romeo Dobbs at 5,300. I'm not sure I want to play that game. We'll have to wait and see if Alan Lazard and Christian Watson are playing. If they're not, I do like Romeo Dobbs and maybe some other Packers receivers that we'll talk about on. Um, on Thursday, but look at what we have here, guys and girls. Curtis Samuel at 5,200. I think it's interesting against Minnesota. Um, probably some high-value targets, probably some rushing attempts, but Rondale Moore. Zach, let's click on Rondale Moore. Let's see what he did last week because he was a pretty much a monster. Um, 5,200, uh, he's at home against Seattle. He was on the field for almost every single snap for the record. They were getting him in space, which I absolutely love. Um, clearly, like, designing plays specifically for Rondale Moore, which I wasn't sure they knew how to do prior to last week. Uh, eight targets. He caught seven of them. He had a long of 38, which was a pretty electric play. Uh, 92 total yards and a touchdown. Uh, he had a couple rushing attempts, too. So they're trying to base like, listen, they don't have Marquise Brown. They don't have a lot of guys that can stretch the field or, or just sort of run end arounds or sweeps or things of that nature. They just don't have those guys right now. And Rondale Moore is the guy for them to do that. So DeAndre Hopkins is getting a lot of the underneath stuff. And Rondell Moore is, is, is getting a lot of the stuff designed for him in space. So at 5,200, I'll tell you right now, he's going to be super popular. He is going to be a super popular play. So keep that in mind, but it's not going to inhibit me from playing him. I like Rondell Moore a lot against Seattle. I mentioned Curtis Samuel. I mentioned Josh Palmer earlier in the show, 5,100 at Atlanta. Uh, you can't really go wrong there, especially with the injuries that uh, the Chargers are expected to have. We'll see about Keenan Allen. Mike Williams is definitely going to be out. Josh Palmer might be the number one receiver in that game. If he's not, he'll be the number two. And so the number two receiver in the highest total on the slate, and he's 5,100, uh, I, I just, you know, there's not much to argue with there. I like him quite a bit. Uh, Garrett Wilson, I mentioned he's 4,800. He's a nice bring back in that Bills game if you're stacking it. Even if you're not stacking it, maybe you do a skinny stack with like Singletary and Garrett Wilson. Maybe you do the Singletary Bills defense with Garrett Wilson. Whatever you want to do there. I absolutely think Garrett Wilson is, is in play. Let's monitor the status of Corey Davis, though, because I'm not 100% sure he's playing, and I'm not exactly sure what's going on with Elijah Moore. He didn't get traded before the deadline. Not that I expected him to, but is he going to get benched? Is he like What's going on there? I expect him to play and get a full allotment of snaps, to be honest with you, if Corey Davis is out. But Garrett Wilson looks to be the play there as the primary target in a negative game script. I brought up Darnell Mooney earlier, 4,700. You can do worse against the Miami secondary. I don't even think you need to necessarily stack Justin Fields with Darnell Mooney. Uh, you can if you want. But 4,700 Darnell Mooney, he's not going to get a ton of targets, but could he get loose for a touchdown and 100 yards against Miami secondary at home? Yeah, I, I think that's possible. Khalif Raymond, it's a $4,000 price tag. I, I think it's worth bringing him up against Green Bay. Uh, he's he caught three or four targets last week, and you know he's he's been on the field a good amount. And Terrace Marshall, thirty nine hundred at the Bengals, caught four of nine targets last week, had a ninety three percent snap share. Definitely a red zone threat. Big good receiver. Now that Robbie Anderson is gone, they really kind of put a focus on him beyond DJ Moore, or at least after DJ Moore. 
nine targets is nothing to nothing to just look off. Uh, the efficiency wasn't there, but he's getting some high value targets. And uh, at the Bengals at thirty nine hundred, I think he could do worse. Before we close with um, defenses, let's go to a few tight ends that I like. And forgive me with the chat. I'm running through this so fast that I haven't looked at the chat. But before the show is out, I am going to take a look at it. Um, Zach Ertz. And by the way, if you haven't hit the like button already, hit it. Uh, Zach Ertz at 5,100. I just think anybody in that Seattle-Arizona game is going to be quality. Uh, Ertz with a nice bounce back last week. Playing against a, a Seattle defense that doesn't do it. Like, listen, Arizona and Seattle, neither of them do a good job covering the tight end. So you're, you're probably good with like Will Disley, maybe Noah Fan, uh, probably Will Disley. You're probably good with uh, Zach Ertz at 5,100. Interestingly, he because of how this slate has shaken out, he's the most expensive tight end on the slate. Um, as we go down, I think Gerald Everett is interesting at 4,800. Again, especially if Keenan Allen remains out, Mike Williams is out. I think Gerald Everett could be a target. Not sure I want to pay up the 4,800 there, but. We'll see. Again, I just we just have to monitor the injuries. Kyle Pitts, forty five hundred. I don't have a problem with that. I think Kyle Pitts is fine at forty five hundred. Uh, as we go down the list, uh, Evan Ingram at thirty three hundred. I think is interesting. He saw over twenty uh, percent of the targets last week. Caught four balls, fifty five yards, and a touchdown. Uh, played over ninety percent of the snaps. Uh, Raiders not good against the tight end. I mean, that's kind of the formula, right? So if you want to pay down for tight end, I think he's interesting. Um, you could go really low at the tight end position and play Brock Wright, who I believe is going to be the new tight end du jour for the Detroit Lions because they just traded away TJ Hawkins. They have another tight end in the fold, but it looks like Brock Wright is likely the guy this week. Do I want to play 2,500 for Brock Wright against Green Bay? Not unless I just want to like show off because he happens to go the 1% chance he happens to go off. And I like, I, Talk about how smart I am for playing Brock Wright. So I don't think I'll go there, but I'm just bringing him up because if for some reason you only have $2,500 left, you do potentially have, well, you definitely have a, a starting tight end for the Lions, whether it's Brock Wright or or the other guy because they're both priced at $2,500. Um, that's it for tight end. I mean, I'll tell you with, with the tight end group, I'll probably be playing a decent amount of Ertz, a little bit of Everett, and Evan Ingram. Those will probably be, that's probably going to be my tight end pool. Uh, and I'll, I'll probably end up playing because Ingram's price is so good, I think I'm going to be willing to eat the floor there, even though I think his floor is higher than 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 most in that range. Um, if I crash and burn on Evan Ingram, I'm okay with it at 3,300. But I do think Ertz is very, very interesting at 5,100. It's, it's a reasonable price. Defenses. Uh, there's only a couple that I'm interested in playing. It's the Panthers at the Bengals, because the Panthers are only 2,300. And don't forget, Jamar Chase isn't back. It's part of the, the main reason I, I like the Browns last, last week is because or last night is because I knew the Bengals weren't going to be able to do what they had been doing the last two weeks. I think everybody just assumed it was going to be plug and place. No Jamar Chase. Oh, we're just going to operate out of the shotgun and be just as efficient with Tyler Boyd and T Higgins and Mike Thomas and our, our sort of new running efficiency with Joe Mixon. That's not how it works, especially when you finally get a pass rush, which they hadn't gotten the previous two games. You got, you got two really good pass rushers coming at you and miles Garrett, and um, Jadavion Clowney, and and uh, they got there. So I think the Panthers are interesting. It, it is a nice bounce back spot for the Bengals, but the Panthers only 2,300, 2,400. Washington at home against the Vikings. I think it's a great spot for the Vikings, but at the same time, Kirk Cousins, can he produce some turnovers? And Washington's only 2,400, and they can absolutely get after the passer. So will they get beat uh, deep a couple times? Yeah, but could they possibly get to the quarterback, cause a fumble, maybe get a defensive touchdown? At 2,400, I'm willing to take that chance. And then I mentioned the Bills at, at 4,300. Zach, that's our early look. Sorry for racing through that, but because we did 
you know, sort of the trade stuff on the front end. I, you know, I don't want the show to get too long, but I also want to look in this in this chat to see if there was anything perhaps DFS related as I scan this. If you see one, Zach, you can just put it on the screen and I'll read it out loud. But I don't really see any. I don't see any um, DFS related questions here. Okay, Brian Patterson says, are there any players whose value you like less or more on FanDuel compared to DraftKings? Okay, Brian. Brian, you might have been the person that tweeted at me um, last week, and I forgive me for not getting back to you. It's a good question, and I, don't, I actually don't know the answer to it right now. Like This, this podcast ha- has been sort of um, primarily focused on DraftKings because I think that's where the majority of our audience is coming from. I know I only play DraftKings. That's something, Brian, we can look into because – that, that that's pretty good content to know, you know, who is priced up or priced down on, on each platform, because it gives you an idea of like where you're really getting value, like on FanDuel, as opposed to DraftKings, for example. I don't have the answer to that question on a Tuesday. Um, Mike usually knows that though. So I'm going to bring that up to Mike, because usually on Thursday, he has a few guys that are like clearly mispriced on, let's say FanDuel. Uh, not that there's mispricing on both platforms, of course, but um, to the extent people play FanDuel, uh, that there are some sort of discrepancies there that maybe I, I can get Mike to at least point out a few uh, like tremendous values on FanDuel. Because Brian, clearly, if you're asking the question, you play on FanDuel, and I don't want to disparage FanDuel. It's, I play DraftKings because that's where I started. And I think DraftKings from a, like a contest selection standpoint and a platform standpoint, you know, I, I, I just it's pleasing to me. That doesn't mean it's pleasing to everybody. So if you play FanDuel, we'll try to at least get a sliver of content um, that, that you're asking for on FanDuel because um, you're part of our audience and we want we want to serve you as well. Um, everybody, thank you for being in the chat here. I see Juan Ramos. Lenny plus Foreman for Gabe. Oh, this is a trade question. Lenny plus Foreman for Gabe Davis and Josh Jacobs. PPR redraft. Zach, can you answer that for us? If you can get Gabe Davis and Josh Jacobs, do it. But I would not be making that trade, even if that was the other person. Yeah, fair enough. Um, I didn't have a chance to really process that trade. So I'm, I'm just going to go with Zach's advice uh, there. Mike says, Mike's always in our audience. He says, it was a bad call. Oh, you must be talking about the DJ Moore thing, Mike. Mike, I love you. But like, again, he took off his helmet. Like, I I, I don't I, I don't know. Uh, or, or, oh, oh, that's what you're saying. Okay, my bad. I was stuck on that. I went with Olave versus DJ Moore. And Mos- okay, that makes sense. Uh, I, well, okay, it kind of makes sense. So let me say this. I, Mike, uh, by the way, thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. I assume you already hit the like button. Mike, I, I, you're in here all the time. I, I certainly appreciate you. Everybody that's always in here, um, it's very easy. Derek, I see your name here all the time. Um, and forgive me for forgetting. Uh, Brian, you're probably in here all the time too. But I appreciate you all being in here watching this show live. But I don't hate that, uh, particularly in tournaments, because we knew DJ Moore was going to be super popular. And while we enjoyed DJ Moore's floor, there was certainly a possibility. I mean, listen, he got, like, can we be honest? He got there because he caught a bomb at the end in terms of actually having like tournament value relative to his ownership. He got there because he caught a bomb at the very end of the game. One of the most unlikely bombs. It wasn't like, it wasn't even a Hail Mary. It was just like he ran a fly route and, and PJ Walker, who is better than people think just hit him in stride, like 65 yards down the field. So I don't hate that play in cash lineups. I would have gone with DJ Moore all day over Olave, but in tournaments, even though you would have had to pay the 700 extra because Olave was 6,000 and DJ Moore is 5,300. I know I was touting Olave last week. I don't know if he was like my favorite play. I don't remember the manner in which I touted him, but I absolutely loved Olave last week. Um, I, I loved Kamara too. For me, 
I ended up getting, because I didn't have a ton of involvement in that game other than Kamara. So for me, I was kind of making a decision between Kamara and Olave. And so, Mike, what I think what happened with you is if you weren't already on Kamara, then you might have gone with this Olave over DJ Morstack. I think if you were on Kamara, though, I think the play probably would have been to get off Olave. Now, they both could have gotten there against the Raiders, obviously. But if you're looking for that smash game from Kamara, you're looking at you're looking for it in the receiving department uh, specifically because we treat Kamara like we treat Austin Eckler. And Kamara smashed. He absolutely smashed both in the running game and the receiving game. But he was getting those receptions that we thought he would get. And so if you're doing that, you're probably taking at least a little bit of that catch equity, reception equity, perhaps even some of that touchdown equity away from Olave. So if you really believed in the $7,100 Kamara play, yes, you could have also played Olave. And you could have brought it back with Josh Jacobs or Devante if you really wanted to spend up on your lineup for that particular game because it made sense, right? Um, but for me, I ended up having Kamara in almost every single lineup. And therefore, I ended up paying down for DJ Moore uh, because I got the savings, right? And and, and I, I wasn't paying um, up as much for Olave. I did have Olave in some lineups, though. Don't get me wrong. So um, I don't. Like, I guess my point, that's a long way of saying, Mike, you didn't necessarily make the wrong play. I just think there was a, a, an additional consideration there with Alvin Kamar and how you wanted to play both of those, if at all. So, um, Brian, thanks for the love. Uh, thank you for loving the show. Please go review it if you can. Um, not a DFSer, but this is a great informative listen, says Wesley. Wilcox. Okay, Zach, we got to put that up. I think I might screenshot that and just, just put it as my like profile picture. Just take my, my face off of it. Uh, not a DFSer, he says, but this is a great informative listen. If you thought this was good, Wesley, wait until you tune in on Thursday at 5 o'clock Eastern Standard Time because this show is pretty good. Tuesday's good. Tuesday's 7 out of 10. Thursday. And 7 out of 10 is good. It's a passing score, 70%. I don't want passing scores. I think it's a good show. Thursday, though, me and Mike, it is a great show, and we really iron out the plays that we really love. And what did that result in this last week? A ton, a ton of money for a lot of our listeners who we have evidence on Twitter of who just tweeted it out or, or, or messaged me or, or what have you. We know Mike was in fourth place for almost almost $100,000, but because of one Sam Ellinger play, he dropped down to fourth for 10000 I almost took down the PME. I almost took down a couple of other tournaments. It really just came down to Dorset, just not being uh, as efficient as I would have wanted him to, to be. If he catches a, a couple more balls, maybe gets in the end zone. Uh, my, you know, big day becomes a, a very comfortable five-figure day. So, uh, Derek Graham, see it ain't wrong. Thursday is nuclear. Man, I appreciate all of you so much. I, I, I want you to be in this chat every Tuesday and every Thursday. It genuinely genuinely means a lot to me. Uh, with all of that, I hope you enjoyed the trade deadline. I certainly did. Uh, I hope you enjoyed this Tuesday solo pod. I certainly did. And I hope you're back for Thursday for our game-by-game -game preview because I certainly will be. Until then, this is Fantasy Football Today DFS. This is your Tuesday solo pod. We'll be back on Thursday at 5 o'clock for our game-by-game -game preview. We'll see all of you and then some on that day at that time. Thanks.